0: Hello, and welcome to the Logistics Podcast. I'm your host, Bonnie Cliff. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. Today's episode focuses on the apparel industry, which may seem like a sector with simple operational demands when compared with products which require temperature-controlled storage and distribution, such as food and medicine. However, as we are about to learn, fashion faces its own unique logistical challenges. Kim Baudry has worked in the logistics sector since 1998 and has been with Domatic for the past 12 years, currently holding the post of Global Market Development Director. Her role involves overseeing all the different industry verticals in which Domatic operates, in particular general merchandise and apparel. I sat down with her recently to discuss the logistics of the fashion industry where we began with a look at how the sector has developed in recent times.
1: It was interesting because during the pandemic, we saw a shift in the, thing, the types of apparel we were buying, right? So we, we moved from buying dresswear that we could wear into an office or out to a party to leisure wear. And I actually think that trend is sticking a little bit because there's still a lot of people working from their homes. We are seeing a comeback of the e-commerce channel. So online buying, it was doing, it went phenomenal, you know, during COVID because that was the only way you you could buy items. Then we took a dip, a bit in almost all industries after COVID, as stores opened back up. You know, e-commerce kind of died back down to where it was before, and we're st- still seeing a steady growth. Uh, in the e-commerce channel for apparel purchasing. There's a couple of trends that are happening globally. One is there is still a group of people, even in economic hard times, that buy luxury items. And luxury goods are still doing very well. So it's contrary to what you would think when all of us are facing inflation and, and some really tight squeezes on our wallets, that the luxury uh, part of apparel is actually still doing very well. But you also see, again, like I said, a general increase, not huge, but your e-commerce channels continuing to grow. Apparel stores are keeping inventory low in most cases, unless you're in a, in a place like Primark, who carries a ton of inventory. Uniqlo carries a ton of inventory because that's their business model. But a lot of other retailers are trying to keep the inventory at the store you know, lower than they used to and replenish um, their stores as needed. So, so they're not stuck with a lot of extra inventory because that is another thing that happened after COVID. People were waiting, you know, for these the boats full of apparel to arrive at their shore and things were getting stuck in the supply chain. So a lot of retailers ended up with a glut of inventory once that supply chain opened up. And so they're very cautious now of watching the levels of of inventory that they're keeping in their stores, which means that the upstream or downstream of how you fill that store has to be very nimble in the way it has to restock the store. It's almost like handling an e-commerce order. You're sending a lot of less than full case items to the store, and you have to do it very quickly and more frequently than you used to. So those are some of the trends that I've seen, the changes I've seen coming out after COVID, I think. You know, apparel, although we all are watching what we spend our money on, is still, we all do need to have clothes. (laughs) And there are some segments of apparel doing better than others. Like I said, luxury continues to be very strong. Um, Our e-commerce retailers are still doing very well, but um, the volumes might be down a little bit.
0: Kim mentioned the apparel industry's recent growth in both e-commerce and luxury, which seems to be consistent with the wider market. What seems to be changing, however, is how customers interface with a fashion retailer when considering making a purchase. I'll let Kim explain more.
1: They're interacting with brands across multiple different places, right? So I'm gonna shop in the store. I need to have a great brand experience in the store, right? I expect inventory to be there, you know, to be able to find my size or the items that I'm looking for. I expect to be helped by somebody uh, in the store. Then I also am expecting to be able to shop online and have a similar experience. So I can find my size. I can find the item that I'm looking for. I can purchase it easily. I don't get charged for shipping. A lot of retailers now are starting to set limits to, because the cost of free shipping is enormous, right? But as long as I know what to expect with regards to that, I think the customer is happy. You expect returns to be easy, whether it's in a store or through your online channels, making a return a very simple process for an apparel customer is important and i expect if i do order something online that i get what i ordered and that's hugely important you probably have one maybe two chances to have a customer engage with your brand and stick with it if i ship you the wrong item it is likely that i will not be a returning customer and you're seeing a group of people i i Always say it's a younger generation, maybe isn't just younger generation. They expect social and planet responsibility more and more from the people they purchase from. And they're seeking to buy things in different ways because of that. They will rent clothes, they will buy used clothes, and not always, but sometimes they'll wait to buy something that's a little bit more expensive than what they would have purchased in the past because it'll last longer. So you're starting to see that, that thought process happen. They're conscientious consumers, basically.
0: Conscious consumerism is growing rapidly. In essence, it is defined by a desire to make positive, informed decisions throughout the buying process in order to reduce the environmental impact on the planet. Kim talked to me about how this has been impacting emerging trends in the fashion industry.
1: The biggest trend that I've been following, I call it the three R's. It's rental, resale, resilient for luxury items. I think that we're going to see this trend continue. The resale sellers like uh, Deep Op, I think, is in Europe. We have um, Up in the U.S. Vinted, I think, is also in a European. So they're growing in the triple digits. They're starting in a very low base of sales, right? But they're growing exponentially compared to other apparel retailers because the customer is thinking about, you know, I don't need a brand new thing. It, you know, consumerism it, for younger generation isn't as cool. It's kind of like, I don't want to just keep buying things to have things. I need to be thinking about what I'm buying. So we are definitely seeing a growth in the resale market. I think that's here to stay. And I think it has an opportunity to expand to different generations, right? To people like me, you reach me and say, here's the message. You're buying something. You're not getting rid of your clothes and throwing it into, into a landfill. Rental is big because it gives me choice, right? So if there's a lot of these subscription-based companies that say, okay, tell me your style. What do you like? What colors do you like? What's your size? And I'm going to curate an apparel box for you and send it to you every month. And you can keep what you want and we'll charge you for that. And you can send back what you don't want. Or I can just rent directly. You know, I could say, I'd like to get this dress for this particular event and I'm not going to keep it. I just want to rent it and give it back to you. Well, that is a huge change. in. so basically, if you think about that, Everything those people handle is handled like a return because they're going to get it back. <laughs> and so, you know, at least part of the order. So, the processes handled or used in those distribution centers are vastly different than we see in a typical apparel retailer. And there are third party logistic companies that are setting up to handle the rental and resale market specifically. So, they, they will say, XYZ company, if you want to do rental items, leave the distribution of it up to us. We'll take all items back if they need to be repaired or cleaned or whatever. We do all of that, then we put it back into inventory. And when you have an order for it again, we send it back out, comes back, and we do all those same things again because they're very expensive. But if you do that in in a large scale, a, a third party logistics can do that for many companies then it becomes less expensive and they, you know, they're experts at it. So I see that as a really exciting trend. I think it's interesting and new. And you see retailers offering resale and Levi's in the U.S. is doing resale. I think H&M now is even doing, you know, have, has a bit of a resale uh, category. So they're getting on the bandwagon because if they don't, you know, they're going to lose part of their audience. So I think it's pretty cool.
0: Something to note is that conscious consumerism doesn't necessarily lead to buying less frequently. A recent survey found that three quarters of Gen Z want to see brands authentically ensuring customer and consumer safety. Kim spoke to me about balancing the need for fast and efficient service with ethical and sustainable business practices. I think
1: there is a, you know, either there's going to be governmental pressure or consumer pressure for companies to treat people right, right, to do the right thing. Um, It's part of the ESGs, you know, that people get measured on. So And all of the things I see our customers doing when they add automation is to benefit the people that they're, that they have working for them, right? It's to make their job easier. And in fact, sometimes it's to make their job more enjoyable. So we find that there's a whole group of people, younger workers that want to, that have pride in saying, I work with robotic, you know, the robots in a distribution center and I get to, you know, fix it or I'm working with it. And I have a robot that follows me around and helps me do my work. And, and so I think that things can get faster because it's always, you know, the expectation that we do things faster and faster and faster to meet the end consumer expectation. But you can do that in a sustainable and ethical manner by providing systems that allow your people that are doing the work a, not to, to bend and lift heavy things. You know, it's that's one of the worst things that I used to watch when I started in the industry was the people that would have to lift a, you know, 35-pound um, case of something onto a conveyor. And they all day long, they would twist and bend and, and lift. And it was horrible. And, of course, those laborers couldn't stay with you for very long because you physically wore them out. So now we have systems that take away that mundane and and physically stressful work from people. And now those people are free to do things that I think are a little more exciting, right, that use mental capacity as well as physical capacity. And and they get to do more exciting types of work. So I think they're actually those two things are not at odds. I I think they're actually, you know, companies are really thinking about how they can make the life of a, a person working in a warehouse better.
0: So both customers and companies are united in wanting the well-being of warehouse operatives to be a priority. Automation technology is a great way to support your employees, as well as increasing efficiency across the board. Here's Kim to explain more.
1: Automation, from receiving through shipping inside of a warehouse, when it's supported by the right software, and so smart software that can handle, manage inventory, know where inventory needs to be, and know where inventory needs to be picked, shift, et cetera, automation can help the entire warehouse, every functional area within the warehouse. So receiving, there's a way, you know, now we have automated mobile robots that can pick up a pallet of something or curtains of something and deliver it to another spot so that it can be put away properly. Or if it's needed in inventory immediately to be picked, deliver right to a picking area. So we're seeing automation in, in a functional area like receiving, we've never really done a lot in that other than maybe convey items. But you're seeing some increase in improvements in that space. Storage and retrieval is a huge area where shuttles and unit load ASRSs are used to compact the size of of a warehouse, but also increase throughput. The amount of orders you can get out a day significantly, which is a huge thing, especially if you have an e-commerce channel. There's an expectation of a consumer that I'm going to get my item in a certain amount of time. So automation allows our customers to be able to hit those throughput requirements very easily or, you know, with a lot less labor, a lot less time. So I think that people can harness automation to do a lot of things, a lot of things, a lot of the tasks that uh, laborers don't want to do, lifting heavy boxes or should not be doing right by law. Um, so lifting heavy boxes to build a pallet, to go to a store. Now we have robots to do that. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of places, you know, basically from end to end inside of distribution center of automation and software are helping improve the, the, fun, the, the functions within the warehouse and improve the efficiency of the warehouse overall.
0: Handling the returns process can be challenging for any retailer, though it's especially challenging in the fashion industry. Consumers are more likely to return apparel than any other product type. And it may shock you to learn that up to half of all clothing ordered at the festive season will be returned. With that in mind, a robust return strategy is critical for apparel retailers. Here's Kim to tell us how to make returns watertight.
1: Well, first of all, it starts with having a good software system, because that's the first thing that you're going to use to make decisions or help you make decisions on what to do with the return. So every customer kind of has different rules. So I can't say from one customer to another that all of those rules would be the same. So it's important to work with somebody that can partner with you on getting a solution that meets your business needs. So for instance, I get a package in as a worker, I scan the package and I usually scan the item in the package. And then my software will say, inspect this, make sure there are no problems with it. And if there are no problems with it, return it to inventory. If there's problems with it, then the next step would be either to send it to a repair station, to send it to an off-price retailer to sell, et cetera. So that's the first thing that you do with returns is there has to be a software process followed. Then if you want to actually physically do something with inventory, there's many different options. We have options like pouch sorters, which are great for apparel and small items. They can act as a buffer to hold inventory that's been returned um, until it's ready to either be put back in stock or if there's an order for that item you know, that's placed and you have it in the returns area in the pouch, you can actually send it right back out for shipment to another person. There are other things that act as buffers as well. Shuttles, auto store can also hold inventory until items are ready to be put away or pulled out to sell. And then there's just very simple things like we we design workstations that make it really easy for workers to, you know, print labels to pack things back in a bag for storage, and then to hold items until in what we call a put wall until it's needed. There's enough items to be put back efficiently into stock so that you don't have somebody running back and forth taking one thing back to a storage area. So returns. The, will not necessarily look exactly the same from one place to another, but the processes should be decided on and then different ways to handle the inventory are available many different ways.
0: It almost goes without saying that a solid returns process cannot function to its full potential without similarly strong inventory management. Apparel has a few advantages in that area, which I'll let Kim explain now. Luckily,
1: apparel doesn't usually have an expiration date like food. So managing inventory inside of an apparel distribution center is you know we don't we don't have that part of the equation to solve for which is a huge thing when you're talking about food and beverage or grocery right we've well, got to watch it expiration dates but there is an expiration date on the style especially if it's a seasonal so making sure that you have in, you have correct inventory counts in the location where an item is supposed to be is so important for a retailer to have because if you have incorrect inventory counts you will either end up with excess inventory or you're going to end up shorting inventory and your customer that thinks they can buy something online and then find out you don't have it in stock will be very upset. So inventory management through your warehouse management system is key. Then if you think about what can I do with my processes in addition to knowing where my inventory is and keeping accurate inventory levels If you think about when I kind of add an automation, add automation to anything that I'm doing. So if we talk about a shuttle to a goods to person solution or a pouch to a person that's packing out an order, that improves accuracy, probably doubles the accuracy as opposed to a person walking down an aisle with a a piece of paper, an RF gun, trying to pick something. You're much more likely to get things accurately picked and packed when you're using a higher level of automation. You're also going to do that with a lot less labor. So that's a, another key benefit. But if I ship things correctly, A, I'm going to have a happy customer and B, I'm not going to get that item sent back to me, which is expensive and painful for any retailer. Also, you know, you have a flexibility inside of automation. So let's say, if you decide to do a promotion, and that's often outside of the control of the person working in the warehouse or managing the warehouse it's gonna be made by merchandising, right? They're gonna say, let's do this promotion. And I now all of a sudden wanna sell this item at half off. Well, being able to move that inventory to a a space that's really easy to pick and and knowing that you need to do that and controlling that is, is a great way of preventing excess inventory. The other thing is, again, if you have supply chain level software and I am, for instance, in the north of England and I need a sweater and that sweater is in a store in Spain, let's say, for example, where they don't need the sweater because it's warmer. I can divert inventory from a store location up to where it's needed, which is how software plays in pulling that all together so that excess inventory. In fact, I know excess inventory issues at store levels have decreased significantly over the years as software has provided the visibility to inventory across the supply chain.
0: Thank you to Kim for sharing her expertise with us today. To learn more about Domatic's automation solutions for the apparel industry, visit Domatic.com and click on Industries, then Apparel. Thanks for listening to the Logistics Podcast. Keep it moving.